Welcome to Vineyard Hopkinton. As we follow Jesus together, we experience the Holy Spirit, create a multicultural community, and pursue kingdom of God justice. You know, I was thinking uh, about what it is that we're talking about, and, and I was thinking, like, what is the most important thing that I could ever tell you as a pastor? You could all say this. You all know what this is, that Jesus loves you and that his entire purpose in living, suffering, dying was to show you that, was to reconnect with you, to reestablish relationship with you. That's the most important thing I could ever tell you. Then I was thinking, what's the most important thing that I could ever like, give you space to do, uh, kind of teach you, if you will? Uh, and I think that that is along that line, but it's slightly different. I think that that's, that I could give you space to hear the voice of God, to learn what his voice sounds like. I think that's actually the most important thing that I could ever, as a pastor, teach you how to do, to to recognize that you were created by someone who wants to have a conversation with you. Pete Gregg says, you've been meticulously made with an extraordinary ability to walk and talk with God. In fact, the Bible says that your primary purpose, the reason for which you were born, is to enjoy a real conversational relationship with an infinitely loving divinity, which is why you almost certainly hear him already more than you realize. The reason that you were born is to enjoy a relationship, a conversational relationship with Jesus. I think that's really, really true. You know, we can't stop listening, learning how to listen for God to speak, even when it feels like it's been a really long time. Even when it feels like we're just getting static on the radio radio waves, even when it feels like there's nothing that's happening and we're like, why am I doing this thing, talking to a wall? Even when it feels like that, we can't stop because it's the thing that we were created to do, to engage with our creator. It's the most important thing. And Jesus tells us this. He says, this is how we know that we're his followers. Listen to this in John 10. The people surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. And so Jesus replied, I've already told you and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my father's name. But you don't believe me because you're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. The sign of being a follower of Jesus is that you know his voice. You hear him when he's calling out to you and you respond when he leads you. And let me just encourage you, if you're sitting here, you're, you're like, I've never heard. Oh, that's the fan, not me. Okay, good. Like, is that feedback? Uh, uh, where can I not stand? Uh, if, you, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're like, I've never heard the voice of Jesus. Yes, you have. Good news. Because you wouldn't have made a decision to follow him if you wouldn't have first heard him call your name. You may not have thought about it like that, but the decision wasn't just yours. Without Jesus saying, hey, I love you. Come and hang out with me. Without him calling out and saying, Rich, you're my kid. Come and hang out with me. You never would have chosen to follow him. You have heard his voice. You know what it sounds like if you've chosen already to follow him. It's already happened at least once. You know, Sarah and I, try to regularly give our kids time 
to practice this in a low-pressure environment, <laughs> a.k.a. our house. So we don't, like, line them up and be like, okay, you're going to prophesy to these 12 people. That would be intimidating for all of us, um, much less an eight-year-old. So we don't do those things. That, that would be a little bit much. Uh, but it, we do different things, you know, on a regular basis to, to give them space to be able to learn what his voice sounds like. I was thinking about a couple of instances of this. One was uh, Sarah gave us pieces of paper and said we were going to listen, then we were going to draw whatever it is we felt like Jesus was speaking to us. Now, I immediately kind of shut down anytime I get a drawing exercise because, like, all it turns into is, like, ripping on dad for how bad his stick figures are. Like, they're, like, disembodied heads. You know, like, it's bad. I'm really, really bad. So it was a struggle for me, uh, that one particular. But I remember our youngest. Uh, she, she was drawing something you know, kind of like an eight-year-old does. It, it looked like an eight-year-old. It's like a guy with a smile next to her. It's like, so what did Jesus say to you? And her face got bright. You know, she got really happy and cheery. She's like, Jesus said that he's really happy whenever he sees me. And then I was like, yes, of course. Yes, he is. That's perfect. Like, that is how he feels around you. She took it and she uh, hung it up in her room. And we would look at it really, really regularly, you know, she's walking in and out, going to bed. She would have a tough day. Like, hey, you remember? Smiles come back. Yep, Jesus is happy when he sees me, even right now when it's not as, like in all the times, he's happy when he sees me. I think about another time when uh, our oldest, uh, a few years ago, she was a little bit younger, and she uh, closed Sarah's laptop a little bit hard. And she could tell from the sounds that she had closed it a little too hard. And so she lifted it up, and it was like squiggly line world. You know what that means. It was broken. It, it was all the way. And so she was like a little panicky, you know, like, like I just broke mom's laptop. Uh-oh, this is bad news. And so she was telling Sarah what happened. And, so, and then she said, you know, mom, I just feel like a really bad kid, kid right now. And so Sarah did a good parent thing, and she was like, hey, how about if you pause and ask Jesus what it is that he's saying to you right now? So she paused, got quiet, introspective uh, for a 10-year-old. And uh, then she looked up, and she smiled, and she said, Jesus said I'm not a bad kid, and that he loves me a lot. Like, friends, this is what hearing God's voice is. It's the same thing for you and for me. You know, hopefully it's not when, because we break our laptops all the time, you know, but, but like this is how Jesus speaks to us. His message to my kids is constantly a message of love in good times and in hard times, a message that he loves us and that he wants to be with us in all the times. And Jesus says the same thing to you. He loves you. He wants to be with you in all the times. But we hear it a lot of different ways. And I think sometimes as we get older, we get a little bit more static. We, we think through things a little bit more than we might when we're little. But you know, sometimes the voice of Jesus, it may sound just like your internal monologue voice. I don't know, maybe it's James Earl Jones when he's speaking to you inside, um, whatever it is. It, it, but it's something that you wouldn't have made up. 
It's a thought that's like outside of your like usual suspects when you're thinking about maybe a Bible verse will pop into your head and you open it up and you'll read it and you'll be like, wow, this is exactly what I needed today. You know, maybe uh, Jesus will remind you of, of somebody. He'll, he'll throw Tom's name into your head and you'll be like, I should text Tom. You know, you should pray for him. Uh, maybe you get a picture or a dream uh, when you're sleeping and he speaks to you that way. Maybe you have a sudden feeling of peace when you've been overwhelmed with anxiety out of nowhere. Maybe you go for a walk and you're looking around and you're just in awe of all that God's created. And you just feel a real deep sense of his presence in that space. I think that we hear Jesus a lot more than we often give him credit for. Because sometimes we take it and we're like, oh, that was probably just me. And we downgrade it a little bit. When, And you know, there are different church traditions that maybe elevate things a little bit more. I think for us, we probably downgrade it a little bit more. And we downgrade it and we say, oh, that probably wasn't God. When actually it was. And it's good for us to realize and to recognize and be like, thanks, Jesus. You're speaking to me in a really mundane, boring way but I'm learning what your voice sounds like. And that's a really good thing. You know, hearing God speak is one of my deepest heart cries. I want to hear him speak in all the times of life. I want to hear him speak when I'm in a desperate position and I need to know what it is that he's saying. I want to hear him speak when I'm struggling to know what to do. I want to hear him speak when I'm surprised by what's going on and I'm unsure of what to do. I want to hear him speak when I feel worthless when I feel overly stressed, when I feel overwhelmed by life. I want to hear him speak when people come to me and they bring their struggles and their pain. And I'm like, I don't know what to say in the middle of this. Jesus, please. Like, I want to hear him in those moments. I want to hear him speak when I see the news and I feel like I've gotten kicked in the gut and I'm unsure of what to do and how to respond. I want to hear his voice in those moments. I'm desperate to hear him. But it's not just about, it's not about good feelings, although those are nice. But it's about transformation. In the presence of Jesus, we are transformed. When we hear his voice, we are transformed by a good father, a loving savior, a Holy Spirit who is with us and comes and fills us. And we're not only transformed, but we're known because we were created by a creator who wants to have a relationship with us. Amen? So I want to pray, then we're going to keep digging into this a little bit more. So pray with me. Jesus, I just thank you that you created us not just for us to go about life, but you created us so that you could be in relationship with us, so we could be in relationship with you. That we are fully known, that we are fully who we are, we're fully whole when we're in your presence, that we're fully whole when we are engaging with you, that that's the most real spot that we can be. And so I pray that this morning that you will come and you will speak to us, that you will let us be transformed by your words to our heart, that we can encounter you in a deep way, that we walk out of here saying, thank you for loving me personally, in the way that I need it, in the way that, that hits who it is that I am. Thank you for loving me and for calling out my name. 
Thank you for being a good shepherd who loves us. We give you this space in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I want to tell you another story. So I was, uh, if that's okay, is that, is that fine? Uh, a few weeks ago, I was visiting my mom down in Texas, and she was like, I want you to meet somebody who, uh, like one of my friends, and talk to him about this Holy Spirit encounter that he had. He, he wants to talk to somebody about it. Uh, and I was like, okay, cool, that's random, but sure, let's go for it. So uh, I meet this guy, and he's telling me about what happened. And he said that uh, a couple of weeks, maybe a month, I don't remember, before, he had been driving in his car, listening to worship music, uh, nothing crazy. And uh, as he was worshiping, he kind of got into it a little bit. Um, no, I'm not sure how good it sounded, but he was getting into it pretty hard. Uh, and, and he started to feel a little bit emotional. And he just realized, like, something's different right now as I'm driving along worshiping. I don't know what this is. He kept going, and then after a little bit, he heard his own words, and they didn't sound like the words that he thought that he was saying out loud. All of a sudden, and he didn't have the words for this when, he first, when it first happened to him. He, he kind of researched a little, read, the, read some stuff in the Bible, talked to some people, but like all of a sudden, he started speaking in tongues, just randomly. He didn't ask for it. He didn't try and do anything. And it just kind of came out as he was worshiping in his car by himself. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and he started speaking in tongues. And he was so excited about it because he felt like he was filled with this like really deep joy that hadn't worn off in the intervening weeks, I think, uh, since it had happened. He was like, Stephen, I just want to start speaking in tongues all the time, like with everybody. And I was like, that's a you might want to know your audience a little bit before. Like, that might not be your best move, but like, that's really awesome. This is really cool that this is happening and that the Holy Spirit met you in this way. Uh, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was really aware of the difference that it made. He didn't try to make it happen. He was just acknowledging Jesus, just living into what it was uh, that, that Jesus uh, was, was calling him to in that moment, worshiping and praising him. And the Holy Spirit came and filled him. You know, I think the Holy Spirit wants to fill us in ways that are a lot more simple than we sometimes think that they are. And I think that hearing God's voice is often a lot less complex than we think that it has to be. And so I want to talk about that. I think the steps for growing in this, and I'm going to give you the cheat sheet right at the beginning, then you can stop listening to me for the rest of the time. Uh, but here's what they are, and they're very, very simple. I think we need to put ourselves in a position to be filled with the Holy Spirit regularly. We need to ask God to speak and take time to listen. We need to pay attention to what it is that he's saying. And then we need to share what we've heard when we've heard it, especially when it's for other people. That's it. Very, very simple. Nothing, nothing crazy uh, in that. I didn't tell you that you had to, you know, go on a silent retreat for a week and a half before he would speak to you. Just that simple. Because I think that the process is this basic. Because again, we're created to communicate with a God who created us so that we could communicate with him. His entire purpose is talking to us, being in relationship with us. He's not going to make it overly hard for that thing to happen. And I think this first step, though, is really important. We need to position ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit regularly. 
Uh, if you're at the men's retreat, you heard this recently, so humor me. Uh, everybody else, though. Uh, but in Ephesians 5.18, Paul says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul, the Jewish scholar, is doing a very... Uh, wisdom literature, Old Testament thing in this moment. He's comparing and contrasting two things, saying don't do this and do this uh, in these verses. And there's a couple of reasons that he's comparing and contrasting this. So here's the first. Uh, He's not the first person to do it. So on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, Uh, when the disciples, the followers of Jesus are all in one person's room. They've been there for way too long. Uh, They're unsure of when Jesus is going to do the thing that he told them to wait for. And so they're they're there and they're praying and they're probably getting a little tired of it. And they're saying, God, when are you going to move? All of a sudden in Acts 2, it tells us that the Holy Spirit comes and like flames of fire light on people's heads, which is interesting and very unique. Uh, And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues. And it says that then they went out into the streets because, you know, when crazy stuff happens, you need to go tell everybody about it. So they left the house and they ran outside and they started telling everybody about Jesus. And they start speaking to them though in languages that were different from the ones that they knew how to speak. I would be a great example of these followers of Jesus in the upper room. I have about zero capacity when it comes to other languages. I've had teachers tell me I need to stop. Like, it's not my strength. Uh, And and so I understand, like, if I was to start preaching in Portuguese, like, I would be shocked as much as you guys would. Like, that would be a whole other thing. And that's basically what happened. They started speaking in other languages that they did not know at all. And, And crazy things started to happen. And so as this is going on, in Acts 2.13, it says that some people made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. So their behavior is different. People aren't quite sure how to take it. And then Peter gets up and he gets ready to say the, like the world's greatest sermon that's ever been preached. 3,000 people in like 15 minutes come to know Jesus, like epically good. And he starts it off with a terrible opening line. Listen to this terrible opening line. line. We are not drunk like you think. It's only nine in the morning. Like, that's a terrible opening line. Uh, He felt like he needed to clarify it, I guess. But we all know that if you were drunk at 9 a.m., you would say that you weren't drunk because it's 9 a.m. So his logic is very faulty in that moment. But this whole encounter is really, it's kind of like strange and amazing when we look at it. It's amazing because 3,000 people come to know Jesus. Uh, People are speaking in languages that they don't know and that they don't understand. Uh, That there's miracles just happening like out in the middle. Like it's just randomly all of a sudden happening. People are being filled. And it's strange because it seems like to some level, people thought that they were drunk. Now, we know what being drunk means. It means that you're out of control. It means that like you don't have... The, the strongest uh, control over your uh, mental capacities, over maybe your verbal capacities. You can't walk a straight line. Like things are a little bit wonky. That's what it looks like to be drunk. So if it's a contrasting statement, then what is Paul contrasting here? He's saying, be careful how you live, not out of control, but under the control of the Holy Spirit through being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is a control that's unlike 
anything else because it's under the control of Jesus, led by the Holy Spirit. And in the Greek, this word for be filled is in the present continuous sense, which means that it keeps happening over and over and over again. So he's not saying be filled one time. He's saying keep being filled over and over and over again. Never stop being filled. You need it all the time. Let it keep pouring into you. And this is so key in hearing the voice of God. Remember the list. Basic, put yourself in a position to be filled with the Holy Spirit regularly. Ask God to speak. Give him time to listen. Uh, Pay attention to what he's saying and share what you've heard when you've heard something. Now, if you notice in this last step, I did something. I kind of transitioned our position. So I took us from just saying, poor, 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 like I'm just going to receive, I'm going to be a really big cup that I want to be filled as much as I can, to saying, I want to receive as much as you can give me, and then I want to transmit what it is that you're pouring into me. We're going from being just receivers to being receivers and transmitters. That's what happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, when we share what it is that God is speaking to us. We can never stop relying on the Holy Spirit. The second that we do that, everything falls apart. That's bad. We don't do that. So we want to keep receiving, but we want to give out because that's what Jesus does. That's what he tells us that we're supposed to do. Whereas followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit shares things with us sometimes for others so that we get to share with them the good news of who Jesus is, that he loves them, his kindness to them, and how much he knows them. And so we want to pour that out. We want to give that out as Jesus lays it on our heart through prophetic words, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, things like that. Now, I just dropped some terms on you, so let me explain uh, the terminology that I just threw out there. Uh, Prophecy in its simplest form is learning to hear God speak and then sharing it. it. It's God's spoken word to a particular person or group that brings encouragement, comfort, and clarity, and it's used all over the Bible, lots and lots of times. A word of wisdom Uh, is wisdom from God for a particular context. So let me give you an example here from Jesus. So one day Jesus is out in the streets and uh, he's walking along and one of the teachers of the law decides that they want to get him in trouble with the Romans. And so they say, teacher, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Which is a bad question to ask like at that time. That would have gone over pretty poorly. And Jesus pauses and he says, who has a coin? They hand him a coin, and he flips it. He looks, hey, whose picture's on this coin? Said Caesar's. Give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's God's. That's a perfect example of a word of wisdom, something that is uh, otherwise outside of what you probably would have thought of, but that the Holy Spirit gives you to give clarity in a certain moment. A word of knowledge is specific knowledge about a person or their situation that you would not have otherwise known. So another story from Jesus, if that's okay. Uh, Jesus is meeting the woman at the well in Samaria, and he's sitting there breaking all sorts of uh, societal and cultural boundaries uh, as he's talking with her. And uh, they're, they're having this conversation, and, and he says, go get your husband. And she looks at him, and she says, I don't have a husband. And he says, you've answered right. You've had five, and the man you're living with now isn't your husband's. And in that moment, you know what she said? You are the Messiah, and I need to go tell everybody about you. 
That's what a word of knowledge is, something that cuts through everything else, all the arguments, all the distractions, cuts through straight to the heart and shows us who Jesus is. That's a great example of it. The Holy Spirit wants us to have conversations like these. And he wants us to be really excited that we get to be a part of this. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. You should desire. Uh, in other translations, it says the gifts, which I probably like that word a little bit better, but personal preference there. Uh, but the word desire, it means to covet. It's kind of weird that Paul's telling us to covet something. If you've read the Bible, if you know the Ten Commandments, uh, it's one of the ten that you're not supposed to do. Coveting's really bad. Uh, pretty negative thing. Not supposed to be where our heart is. So it's usually used in a negative sense. And so what's interesting about this is that the only time that this word for desire is used in a positive way is in 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 31, 14, 1, and 14, 39, when it's related to desiring the gifts of the Spirit. That's the only time it's used in a positive way. Every other time it's negative. So what Paul's saying is that we should want to do this really, really bad. It should be something that we're like desperate to do, to hear God speak and then to share it with other people. And he explains why. In verse 3 of 14, uh, the one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. Do you want to strengthen other people, encourage them, and comfort them? Is that something you would like to do with your life? This is a way to do it. That's a really good thing to want to do really, really bad. This is how we're supposed to feel about sharing what God is giving to us. But it's important to make sure, of course, that what we're hearing is from God. You know, we need to test things. That's what it says in the New Testament in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, and uh, I heard somebody say that we need to make sure that it follows the ABCs, which is a helpful way to remember things. Uh, so is it affirming? Does it uh, strengthen, encourage, and comfort, like 1 Corinthians 14, 3? Is it biblical? Is it consistent with the teaching of the Bible? And is it Christ-like? Is it consistent with the character, mission, and message of Jesus? If it fits those things, then it's from Jesus. You can, you can bank on it. Uh, that's going to be the only filter you need 99.9999% of the time. That tells you whether or not something's from Jesus. Okay, one more story. So I grew up in a church that did this a lot. Um, my parents were the pastors of the church. There was a lot of great things about growing up in this sort of environment. Uh, I felt like I heard from Jesus at a, very, at a fairly young age. Um, I saw people praying for healing at a very young age, and I saw people being healed. I saw people being freed from lots of different things uh, all through my childhood. That's really, really good, really positive. Uh, and so it was like a regular part of my diet, so to speak. It was a regular thing in the church where I grew up. So the church uh, had this service once a month. It was on the first Friday night of the month. Uh, and uh, after the service, they, if you wanted to, you could receive prophetic words from a, from a team. And so they would split people up uh, so that not everybody was with the same people, you know, spread it out a little bit. And so if you were on one of these groups, you would give prophetic words to about 20 to 30 people uh, in that course of that night. So it was late. It was a pretty late Friday night. You know, you'd go for about two, two and a half hours. 
it was a pretty serious ordeal. And I started being on one of those teams when I was about 15 or 16, because I was a pastor's kid. And so, you know, when in Rome, that's, that's what you do. And in many ways, this was really good. But as I got older, I did start to see cracks in the wall a little bit. Uh, I, I saw prophetic words that were either a little too repetitious um, or that just didn't seem to be correct, that were being said as if they were guaranteed to be from God. That made me, you know, a little inquisitive. I wasn't quite sure what to do with that. Um, I, uh, I saw people's character that didn't feel like it was lining up with what they were showing uh, on those nights. Like, it, things started to show up a little bit. You know, I was at that age where I was questioning things anyway. Uh, so, of course, I was going to question it all. And so I started this process of really dissecting it and trying to figure out, like, what it is that I believed. Uh, the process actually le led me to leave my parents' church, uh, but I was in a good spot with Jesus and a good relationship with my parents, so that was good. But I had some baggage around hearing God's voice. Like, it left me not feeling super comfortable with it. I wasn't quite sure what to do with it. So when I was about 25, I started going to uh, see a spiritual director. She was this wonderful 75-year-old uh, Jewish woman, Jewish Christian woman uh, from New York City, and she fit that stereotype like perfectly, which as a spiritual director means she was on my case all the time, uh, but in a really loving and, and good way. Um, and one day we were working through, you know, if you're meeting with a spiritual director, talking about hearing God speak would be a good thing, right? Uh, so we were working through my baggage in this area. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was just like kind of breaking down the walls that I had put up. It was just really good. Uh, I was really aware of the kind of a change internally around this. And so as we were finishing up, uh, Sheila looked at me and she said, Stephen, I've never told you this before, which was incredible wisdom on her part. She said, but when you were like 16, I went to your parents' church on one of those Friday nights. And I was in your room. And I was like, I do not remember that, Sheila. And she said, that's fine. She's like, but the word that you heard from Jesus was dead on. It was exactly what I needed to hear in that moment. And I was just wrecked because it was like the kindness of Jesus showed up and was like, see, it wasn't fake. You weren't making things up. You know what my voice sounds like. You can rely on that. You know, here's, here's a gift. I had worked through some of my stuff and then God was like, here's the rest. Here's what you need. And he laid it out there for me in a beautiful way. Do you want to hear God's voice? You know, Pete Gregg said that the more that we say yes to the things Jesus says, the more familiar and precious his voice becomes until ultimately we look at our lives with a mixture of wonder and joy. I want that statement to be true for me. Do you? Do you, are you desperate to hear the voice of God, to hear him speak your name? Are you desperate to follow him as the good shepherd who leads you as you hear his voice? And are you willing to not just be a receiver and say more, 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 but more, 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 and here you go. I want to show the kindness and the goodness of Jesus to those around me. 
Are you willing to live a life that looks like that? Is that what you want? Thank mm-hmm. you.